Well, we're continuing in our message series called Beyond Borders. And as I was thinking about this title again, I think, you know, many of us get stuck kind of what we would call comfortable ruts in life. We, we do things the same way we've always done. We develop patterns in life. Some of those patterns, some of those ruts, some of those habits are good things that we do, and some are perhaps not so good. Perhaps some are not God's best. And so in this series, Beyond Borders, God wants to help us to to break out of any comfortable ruts that are keeping us from being and doing everything that God has for us. God wants to challenge us to be bold, courageous witnesses for Him everywhere we go and every day of our lives. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus, our example. Now, a Christian is not simply someone who calls themselves Christian. I mean, you know, you can call yourself anything you want, and it's really being taken to an extreme, right? Today, people call themselves things that they are not, uh, and anybody can name themselves a Christian. But a Christian, according to the Bible, is a person who believes in and follows Jesus Christ. And so to follow Jesus Christ is to follow the example of his life as well as to keep his commands. Jesus said in Matthew 4.19, I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin and follow along there. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so in this verse, Jesus is calling Peter and Andrew, two of his disciples who were fishermen, he's calling them to follow him. Now, the temptation for all of us when we read the Bible is to assume that Jesus' words don't apply to us. That's a very common thing. It's like, well, he was talking to the apostles. So obviously I'm not an apostle. It doesn't apply to me. But the truth is that these words, the vast majority of Jesus' commands, are not just for Jesus' immediate disciples, but for Jesus' followers of all ages, including you and me today. And so Jesus' words to us today are to follow him. He repeated this to many times to people who were uh, around him that they should follow him to follow Jesus and those that follow Jesus he wants to make fishers of men a fisher of men is some simply somebody who is living to catch men and women for Jesus to talk to people and bring them into the family of God so let's look a little more closely at what it means to follow Jesus Hebrews 12 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so life is a race. And a race has a start and a race has a finish. And during the race of life, what are we to do? According to this verse, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. We are to look to him and follow him each and every day of our lives. You can't follow Jesus if your eyes aren't fixed on him. I mean, if your eyes aren't fixed on who you're following, you're going to get lost. You're going to run astray. And so how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? How do we follow him practically? Well, first of all, we look to God's word to understand the things that Jesus did in his life here on this earth, to understand the things that he commanded us to do. What he did in the past he continues to do the same today through his spirit. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so if we love Jesus, if we want to follow him, we must do what he says. 
We must read and study God's word each and every day in order to understand his commandments so that we can follow them, so we can put them into practice. And secondly, Jesus continues to speak. He's not just a historical figure that lived 2,000 years ago. He's alive today, and he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so Jesus continues to speak to us today, not just through God's word, but through his spirit. He speaks directly to his followers, to his sheep. And we need to have ears to hear what he's saying and a heart to follow what he tells us to do. That's what following Jesus is all about. Now today, I'd like us to watch a video of Assembly of God missionaries. Their names are Dareth and Saida Lai. They're serving in Cambodia at great personal cost. They left the comfortable life of the developed world behind and have chosen to follow Jesus in reaching the people of Cambodia. The video is called A New Hope. A nation with a dark past now struggles to overcome the scars left behind by an inhumane communist regime bent on murdering its own citizens. Trust is hard to come by and hope is in short supply. This is Cambodia. The people of this country have lived through so much suffering. Um, during the time of, of the Khmer Rouge, one third of the populations were slaughtered and those that survived are greatly traumatized uh, by the experience. Not only that, Cambodia is a Buddhist country. Most people never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Dorothy Lee fled Cambodia as a child during the reign of the Khmer Rouge after being separated from his parents. Sent to America and adopted by a family that attended an Assemblies of God church, Dorothy gave his life to Christ. But God called him back to Cambodia as an adult in order to reach his fellow countrymen with the good news of Jesus. After returning to his homeland, he sensed the need to reach a large group of people who are cut off from society by water. There's a big lake and uh, there are thousands and thousands of people that live on the lake. They don't have school, they don't have medical facility, and people just survive from day to day by what they can catch from, from the lake. Dorothy and his wife Tita felt God calling them to start a floating school that could feed, clothe, and educate the children of the nearby villages, as well as give them hope through Jesus Christ. We uh, allowed it by the government to teach the Bible right in school. And so the children get to hear about the love of God, and that, that message is flown out to their parents and flow out to the, the people in the village. I'm learning to read and I'm learning about the Bible. I love mealtime because we get rice and fish and even stir fry. I love this school and I want to be a teacher someday. The kids in the floating village have a future. And not just that, also they receive love from the kids here and us. So it is a joyful to serve in that environment. God has called us back to Cambodia for his purpose to bring hope and salvation to the people. And so when we hear that kids now have dreams, they want to be pastors, we, we see the fulfillment of that calling uh, on our lives and the fulfillment of us as a church. 
that would change the country of Cambodia. So it's wonderful to hear about God calling people to other sides of the world. It's a challenge for us uh, as well to obey what God is calling us to do. We're going to pray for those missionaries at the end of the message. also want to draw your attention to the handout in your bulletin about praying for the missionaries. It's important that we pray for them. Uh, there are several uh, things there. I encourage you at, currently to look at the Facebook page. Uh, Assembly God World Missions has things every day of uh, activities around the world uh, that you can pray for missionaries and their ministries. The app that's mentioned on the right is still not working. Uh, they're working on that, and we'll let you know when that is functional again. But today... In the message, we're going to seek to answer the question, how can we follow Jesus' example in reaching others and being a fisher of men? And today we're going to look at a passage from Philippians chapter 2, and the first way to follow Jesus in outreach is to grow in humility. Now, that might seem not to have a lot to do with being a witness or outreaching to people, reaching out to people, but if we're going to increase in humility, it means we have to decrease in its opposite, which is pride. And pride is a great hindrance to reaching out to other people. A prideful person considers themselves and their feelings the most important thing in life. The needs of others, including where they're going to spend eternity, aren't very important to a prideful person because life revolves around me if I'm a prideful person. And so we must grow in humility and consider others more important than ourselves. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, these are commands. These aren't suggestions. These are commands from God's word, commands from Jesus to us. And he's saying, rather than living life to please yourself, we must not give in to that kind of, kind of conceit or ambition or pride. We must consider others and their needs more important than our own. And of course, what is the greatest need that a person has? The greatest need anybody has is the need for salvation, the need for a Savior. And so when we count ourselves, count others more significant than ourselves, we're going to do everything we can to be an effective witness to them. Now, we all can't reach the same people. Dareth was called back to his home country in Cambodia, because God had called him to reach those people. You and I are probably not called to Cambodia. I can't say for sure, but probably not. But we're called to, for sure, right here in St. Louis and perhaps to other places as well. And when we consider other people more important than ourselves, we're going to watch out for the interests of others. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so if you consider somebody more important than yourself, how are you going to treat them? Well, you're going to look out for their interests. You're going to look out for their needs. You're going to pay attention to them. You're not simply going to focus on yourself. Now, whenever we talk about this, people wonder, well, if I consider other people more important, if I'm looking out for their interests, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to poor old me if I'm just concerned about everybody else? Well, God's word answers that and in Matthew 6.33, we don't have it up there, but if we seek God's kingdom first, he promises to meet all of our needs. He's not gonna, we're not going to suffer 
as we put God's kingdom first. Our needs will be more completely fulfilled as we obey God's word than if we simply try to meet our needs ourselves. And so to become fishers of men, we must grow in humility. Now, one common excuse why, why people don't witness to others is they say that they're shy and talking to other people about Jesus makes them feel uncomfortable. Well, let's think about that excuse for a while. When somebody says that their feeling, when talking to people about Jesus makes them feel uncomfortable, they're saying that their feelings are more important than this other person's eternal destiny. And God's word says that's not how we should feel. What did Jesus feel on the cross? Was he comfortable up there? No, it was excruciating pain, mental, physical, spiritual anguish on the cross. And he did that so that we could be saved, so that he could be our Savior. And here in God's Word, he commands us to get rid of our concern about ourselves, to get rid about our feelings and begin to care about other people, putting their needs ahead of our own. And so I'd encourage you to ask God to reveal to you any selfish attitudes that you might have in your life that are keeping you from being a bold, courageous witness for God. And I think each one of us, if we honestly pray that prayer, we're going to hear something from Jesus. We're going to hear something that he wants us to adjust in our attitudes. He's going to show us some selfish, prideful attitudes that need to be repented of, that we can be the kind of people that are effective witnesses for him, people who are humble, walking in keeping with his commands. We need to have this, the attitude of Jesus. Philippians 2.5 says, Have this mind or attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so the humility that God's word commands us to have is simply to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus had an attitude of humility. It governed everything that he did, everything that he said. And we're to have the same mindset that Jesus had. This way of thinking is available to us through God's word and through his spirit. And so God's word describes to us the mindset or attitude of Jesus, and God's spirit gives us the power to think the same way as Jesus. And so what was Jesus' attitude? What was his mindset? Well, Jesus embraced being a servant. Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says, though he, speaking of Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And so really what Jesus did is, was infinitely more difficult than what he requires of us. God calls us to be servants to fellow human beings, people who are on the same level as us. We're all human beings here on this planet, and we're called to serve other human beings. Jesus, on the other hand, was dwelling in heaven as God. He was creator of the universe. And so he humbled himself to become one of his creatures, to become a man, never giving up his divinity, but becoming fully a man. He emptied himself of the glory, the splendor that he had in heaven. He humbled himself to become a human being and to become a servant to each and every one of us. He chose as a servant to obey God at 
any cost. Verse 8, and being found in human form, he, that is Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so that's the ultimate demonstration of humility. You want to know what it's to be humble? It's what Jesus did. Jesus did not want to go through the agony of death on a cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, God, if it's, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I know what's coming. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to go through the anguish. But the answer was from his father that this was the only way. This is why he came to this earth. Death on the cross was the only way that salvation for you and me could be accomplished. And so Jesus humbled himself. He considered you and me more important than his comfort or even his life. And so Jesus put your and my interests ahead of his own. And we are commanded to have the same attitude that Jesus had. And so there are Christians in the world today who are called to be obedient to the point of death. People are being martyred across the world, particularly in Muslim countries. And yet right now in America, we're, we're simply called to be obedient as bold witnesses and our lives are not usually on the line. And about the only thing on the line are our feelings or perhaps rejection from a friend or relative. And yet, I can't say that's always going to be true. It wasn't true in Sutherland Springs, Texas last Sunday. The demonic evil in our country is increasing. It's as if the hordes of hell are being unleashed and People are being controlled by evil demonic forces. These things are not simply mental illness. They're something else is behind them. And so just last Sunday, 26 people were gunned down in a church, including little babies, young children in Texas. Are we willing to obey God at any cost? Let's pray that we would have the attitude that Jesus had. And seek to follow him. An attitude that embraces being a servant. Both to God and to other people. An attitude that serves and meets the needs of others. That obeys God at any cost. And we trust God to meet our needs as we follow his commands. The safest place to be is right in the center of God's will. And as we grow in the attitude of Jesus. We must learn to live for eternity. Our passage continues in verse 10. It says, so that at the, knee, at, the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so even though Jesus humbled himself by dying on the cross, God raised him from the dead. And he rules in heaven today. And these verses teach us that someday every knee in heaven those that are on earth and those who are in hell under the earth are going to bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to be saved. It means that even those who are not saved will one day acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. The Bible teaches us, we went over that in class this morning, there's appointed to every human being to die once and then the judgment. And so, if you don't bow your knee to Jesus in this life and acknowledge him as Lord, 
Uh, you will one day, but it's going to be too late. You've, you've sealed your eternal destiny if you don't acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord in this life. Living for eternity is living for the things that are going to last forever. And the only things that are going to last forever are the things we do for the kingdom of God and the people who have been saved. And so in order to live for eternity, we must go against the flow. Verse 15, skipping down in our chapter, says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse or twisted generation. How many agree we live in a crooked and twisted generation? That seems to be getting more crooked and more twisted as we go along. And even though that's the kind of society we live in, as, as children of God, we must live differently. These verses command us to be blameless, innocent, without blemish. That means we must go against the flow of the majority. Jesus said there's a wide road, many people are on the road, and there's a narrow road. And as believers, we're not on the right, wide road, we're on the narrow road. That means we're in the minority. And that's the way it's always been, and I think that's the way it's always going to be. Because I think what Jesus said was true. And so we must go against the flow of the majority. We mustn't live like them. We must reach out to them with the good news of Jesus. But the temptation is to go along with everybody else. To, to succumb to peer pressure. Everybody else is doing it. Or else perhaps, well we're not quite as bad as the majority. But we're kind of going down the slippery slope. The more we become like our twisted generation, the less effective we become as a witness. Some people teach, you know, you have to become like them in order to win them. Well, that's not what God's Word says. We must be blameless, innocent, in order to stand out. We must let our light shine. Verse 15 continues, In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. The blacker the night, the brighter the stars. As we choose to go against the flow, as we choose to be radically different in our society, our light will shine brightly. And what happens when a light shines brightly in a dark world? Well, the same things that happened to Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. And what happened to Jesus? Some people tried to extinguish the light of Jesus. That's why he was crucified. They wanted to put out the light. He was persecuted. And yet others are drawn, were drawn to his light and became believers, became followers of Jesus Christ. And the same will happen to us. Some people will want to have nothing to do with the light that we're shining or even to put out the light in one way or another. And others will be drawn to the light and become believers as well. And as a believer, we have Christ's light inside of us. And we need to let it shine forth and not cover it up, not hide it under a, a bushel, not be ashamed, not be shy, but be bold witnesses, letting our light shine. Everybody you know should know that you're a believer, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so don't be afraid to let your light shine as we live for eternity. And so are we living for eternity? Is everything that we do in life directed to expanding God's kingdom? 
You see, the commands of God's word that we went over today are not just for pastors. They're not just for missionaries or evangelists. They're for every believer. And so when you go to work, when you go to school, when you get up in the morning, God wants each and every one of us to let our light shine. Let our light shine in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, with our friends, with our relatives. Everywhere we go, everything we say should be to serve Jesus and others living for eternity. And so whenever we wonder what we should be doing in life, whenever we wonder what we should be doing this day or tomorrow, the answer should be to follow Jesus. Jesus is our example. He's our strength. He gives us the strength to follow his example. And today we've looked at growing in humility as we embrace the attitude of Jesus, are we willing to be servants and obey God's word at any cost? Is that the focus of our lives? Are there areas in our life where we're just concerned about ourselves? We're concerned about pleasing ourselves, providing for ourselves, surviving? Or are we looking out for the needs of others, especially their salvation? God wants to help us to live for eternity and not to get hung up with the world around us. And so let's go against the flow. Let's embrace being different than everybody around us and let our light shine. And as we do, we're going to make an eternal, uh, eternal difference as we follow in Jesus' footsteps. Now, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, it's simple, but it's profound. We need to admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things. We need to believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, the one who can forgive our sins. And we need to commit ourselves to following him as Lord. And so let's bow our heads right now. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to him this morning. You can do that as well. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following the crowd. Please forgive me. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I don't totally understand it, but I ask for your forgiveness. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Savior and Lord, I, I commit myself to following whatever you tell me to do. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for your word. It's, it's so clear. It's so direct. It's so unmistakable. Help us to grow in humility, God, and think of others as more important than ourselves. Forgive us, God, for the times we've been more concerned about our own feelings and our own interests than other people's eternal destinies, God. May we choose to be your servants and to obey you at any cost. We want to go against the flow of our culture, against our society. We want to let our light shine brightly for you, God. We want to embrace being different than those around us so that we stand out, so that others can hear the message that we have. Help us to live for eternity as bold, courageous witnesses for you. Today, God, we pray for the families 
that are affected by that horrific shooting in Sutherland Springs, God. Uh, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for those who have lost family members. We pray for those who are still in the hospital recovering from the wounds that they've received, God. We also pray for these missionaries, uh, Dareth and Thidali in Cambodia. God, we thank you for their sacrifice for their kingdom, for the kingdom leaving a comfortable life in America to go to the difficult land of Cambodia to reach those people for Jesus Christ. We pray that many children and many adults would be saved and your church would grow in Cambodia. We pray for our own church right here in St. Louis in this city that is part of a perverse and twisted and corrupt generation. God, help our church's light to shine. Help Life Church to grow and reach more people for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.